When it comes to voting, are you still undecided? Well, we'll fix that today on The Grid. The Grid, a digital frontier. I pictured patriots as they moved throughout our country. Do they look like individuals or small business? Were the rallies like church? I keep dreaming of a world I hope to one day see. And then, today, I got in. Hello, fellow Americans. This is Chris Coleman, your host with the Kingdom Patriot Group. Welcome to The Grid, where faith, politics, and commerce intersect. I would tell you about the Kingdom Patriot podcast, but you're already listening to The Grid as we speak. So instead, I ask you, are you sharing The Grid with your family, friends, and neighbors? Well, you should be. Otherwise, how do we grow our audience? Well, we do it by fine folks like you sharing The Grid on your social media, in your email, or in that ancient mode of communication known as face-to-face conversations. Remember to click that little like button on your podcast platform and make sure you are following us. Also, don't forget to go to kingdompatriot.us and put your name on our email subscriber list. Welcome to this week's News and Review. In woke news, Republicans are putting forth a bill to end federally funded Drag Queen Story Hour and other sexually explicit programs for kids under 10 years old. You probably didn't even know that existed. I certainly didn't. But this is why we need Republicans in office to put an end to this kind of federal funding. Federal funding that is meant to accelerate social change to accept anti-biblical worldviews. And to truly understand the depths of wokeness in the workplace, Andrew Krapischetz from Red Balloon reports in an interview that in America, $8 billion is spent annually on diversity, equity, and inclusion training. Topping that list is Intel, who spent more than $300 million. If we would just follow the scripture that says, treat others more important than yourself, we could save the American consumer $8 billion. Just saying. In criminal news, it's a complete demonstration of the fairness and justice of our legal system as we watch Danchenko walk free. Who is Danchenko? Great question. He's at the heart of the Steele dossier, the primary source of the real disinformation campaign. He lied to investigators, he made up fact patterns in the dossier, and he walks free. Disgusting. However, Steve Bannon was not so lucky. He was sentenced to four months in prison for contempt of Congress. The Justice Department had recommended a six-month prison term and a $200,000 fine for the former Trump aide due to his failure to comply with subpoena to appear before the House Select Committee investigating January the 6th. You know those sham meetings? So for not showing up to those sham meetings, he's going to spend four months in prison. In other criminal news, Joe Biden apparently was aware and potentially involved in Son Hunter's crony business dealings. You know when he went around gallivanting around the globe, collecting cash for his dad? Seriously, is anyone shocked here? I mean, whistleblowers are telling this, but I, th- I thought this was just one more Russian piece of disinformation. But once again, you can pretty much take this to the bank. If MSNBC tells you something is fake, then it's probably real. And if they tell you it's real, it's most likely fake. And another story in the judicial system, the Eighth Circuit Court has put the brakes on Biden's student loan debt forgiveness program. Now, originally, a federal district judge stated the six states who filed the lawsuit lacked standing. But here in the Eighth Circuit, the program is halted while the judge determines whether or not to put a permanent injunction in place while it runs through the court system. I believe this is unconstitutional, but over time, we will find out if the judicial process agrees with me. 
Now, there's a ton of stories this week related to COVID-19 and health. So let's start with this. Researchers at Boston University added a spike protein from the Omicron variant with the original Wuhan strain of COVID-19, and they've determined it has an 80% kill rate. That's right, 80% mortality rate. Now, I don't know a ton about this story, but from what I've read, it's all about the what and the how. I'm not really concerned about that. I want to know why. Why would you even attempt to make it COVID-19 more deadly? This will fuel every conspiracy theorist on the planet. And this university is to blame. This is crazy. Also related to COVID-19, parents are fuming that Dr. Fauci has deflected his responsibility in regards to school closures. In fact, the parents are saying, you were complicit. And he's saying, hey, I didn't close any schools. Yeah, but it was your recommendation that the schools were following, and this is exactly what you wanted. Just another example of no one really wanting to accept responsibility. And it may be the biggest COVID-19 related story today. In a unanimous vote, the CDC has added the COVID-19 vaccine to its recommended list of children's vaccines. Despite the data showing clearly that the risk to children from the disease is far less than the risk of the vaccine itself. Now, why is this important? Because nearly every township, every borough, every city, every health department, and nearly every school district in the country follows the CDC guidelines and recommendations. That's why we had all these closings to begin with. Now, in my estimation, it's probably related to scare tactics involving the school districts. They don't want to get sued. And if they do get sued because something bad happened to a child, then they would have this legal backing to say, hey, we just followed the CDC guidelines. I still believe that's a sidetrack. This likely means kids will be required to have the COVID-19 vaccine to attend school. You know, two years ago, my wife told me this would happen. At least she told me federal mandates on COVID-19 vaccines would happen. And I told her there's no way. There's no way this is constitutional. She's just way overreacting. Well, instead of government mandates for vaccines in schools, this is almost as powerful. Like I said, every public school district in the country is likely to follow this recommendation. And what's worse, the White House and CDC are keeping much of the data secret. Are you kidding me? In other health, I mean social, well, I really mean faith-based news, a Christian physician assistant sues Michigan Health for being fired after objecting to trans procedures. You're going to see more of this if this party stays in power. Okay, in economic news, you remember, remember that Joe Biden threatened the Saudis if they decreased oil production right before the midterms, knowing that would cause oil, the price of oil to go up and then gasoline to go up. The optics of this politically were not good for Biden. Well, now this winner only asked for it to be delayed a month because he didn't care about the gas prices, only on the political impact. Well, the Saudis didn't take too kindly to this. In fact, the Saudi prince makes a jihad threat after Biden warns of consequences following their decision. Well, in related Middle East news, this administration is still pursuing an Iran deal as well, likely once again to allow ease of access to nukes. Why do I share these two stories? Because all I can say is, way to go, Joe. I can see that you're completely sane when it comes to our foreign policy. Okay, in political news, UK Prime Minister Liz Truss resigns after less than two months in office. Not sure what's going on here, but I wonder if the people will beg for Boris Johnson to return. In fact, I wish Joe Biden would resign. Oh, wait, that means Kamala would be president. Never mind, that's a horrible idea. Please, White House medical staff, keep biting on his medication and keep on functioning in 2024. Pretty please. Now, it's also being reported that Biden's approval rating in Iowa hit a low of 35%. And in addition, three in four, that's 75%, say our country is on the wrong track. Now, you know what's really shocking about this poll? It's not those numbers. What's really shocking is that 25% of the people 
think we're actually on the right track. I have no idea what they're smoking, but it can't be legal. Now, Biden recently gave a speech talking what the future would look like if the Dems win all of Congress. And here's what he said. Folks, if we do that, here's a promise I make to you and the American people. The first bill that I will send to Congress will be to codify Roe v. Wade. And when Congress passes it, I'll sign it in January, Biden said. If Republicans get their way with a national ban, it won't matter where you live in America. So let me be clear. If such a bill were to pass in the next several years, I would veto it, Biden said. I really don't need to say any more of the importance of these elections. Now, recent polls also show it's an absolute dead heat for the Senate and who which party is going to control it. And we're only two weeks away from the election. Folks, do you remember when it was reported months ago that the Republicans had absolutely no shot at the Senate? Not only that, but the Republicans have actually put up what I would say is less than ideal, even weak candidates. For example, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania and Herschel Walker in Georgia. And yet, they're still competitive. And in fact, in the most recent Pennsylvania poll, it shows Dr. Oz actually up by 4.5% against the recently stroked ultra-extremist Fetterman. We'll know more very, very soon. And in national political news, the 2024 showdown is shaping up. It's reported that Biden is planning to run again in 2024. We can only hope he does that. Now, Trump says he's likely to run again, too. One thing's for sure. If that's the case, we may have some ultra-mega-maga fun with Biden's litany of come on, man. And speaking of ultra-maga, for our final news story of the week, Biden upgraded the pronoun for his disdain for Trump freedom-loving Americans. At first, it was the MAGA crowd. Then it was ratcheted up to the ultra-MAGA descriptor. But today, Biden upgraded it once more. Now it's the mega-MAGA trickle-down. Wow. For this week's News and Review, that's a wrap. It was once said that the only thing necessary for evil to prevail is for good men to do nothing. That is my call to action today. That is what I'm calling you to. Don't be that person who does nothing. We need you to vote. So, all right, as the general election is literally right around the corner, I know that there is still a large percentage of the society, a large percentage of our population, our voting population, that is still undecided. And they don't know who to vote for. So at the Kingdom Patriot Group is here today. We're going to help you. We're going to help you decide. So what we're going to do is we're going to take you topic by topic and help you understand if you should vote for the Republican or the Democrat, since I recognize most people vote according to a party. We're going to take the major topics. We're going to look at each party's stance, so compare and contrast. So let's start with the actual most high-level philosophy. Democrats tend to be liberal, left-leaning, or sometimes even referred to as progressives. On the other hand, conservatives are right-leaning and often referred to as traditional. But really, what does that mean? I think as we run through these issues, you're going to see the difference when we really dive into analyzing the topics. So first, let's start with the economy. When you think of economic ideas, Democrats typically believe in increasing minimum wage. In fact, they believe in a federal minimum wage, and the higher the better. Very pro-union. They believe that is needed to protect uh, workers. There's lots of regulation because they think the consumer needs to be protected, and the government should be involved early and often with economic challenges and decisions. Generally, it's a more socialist approach about market redistribution and creating fairness. Republicans, on the other hand, tend to always gravitate to let the free market decide. The free market is the most efficient and the best, if you will, philosophy to decide many of these challenges in the marketplace. Republicans are generally not in favor of unions, and they are definitely in favor of minimum regulation. 
the less the better. When it comes to taxation, uh, I think when it comes to Democrats, probably they've never met a tax increase that they didn't like. In fact, they prefer progressive taxes that increase with the wealth that you have, the more that you make. That's why it's called progressive. That percentage increases the more wealthy you are. In fact, they use the term revenue often to describe taxes that are collected by the government to fund their activities. Republicans, they tend to favor flat taxes, and they generally are opposed to raising taxes, or at least they're supposed to be. Sometimes individuals say, well, a flat tax is actually progressive in a way because if you're taxing everyday items like food and clothing and shelter, then the person who is poor is going to pay a higher percentage of their income. And I think there's an argument for that. I think those things can be worked out. But I think, generally speaking, that's a debate that we should have. When it comes to health care, Democrats support universal health care. That's where we got Obamacare from. They like the single-payer approach. It's kind of that mantra, hey, let's have Medicare for everyone. In fact, and this is really key, health care or health insurance is actually viewed as a fundamental civil right for every citizen of our society. Republicans, on the other hand, they tend to think that private companies, private insurance companies are more efficient. They oppose Obamacare mandates and believe that health insurance is really not necessarily a civil right, but is a commodity. And it doesn't mean that they don't want people to have insurance. It just means that it, when you think about the Constitution, that Republicans tend to believe that insurance is a product to be buy and sold and that there's costs associated with it. And since healthcare has already mandated many things in emergent situations that people are going to have to be taken care of anyway. So let's talk a little bit about human life and abortion. So if you're a Republican, you tend to be the party that protects human life and offers real solutions, and you strongly oppose infanticide. In fact, you believe the Constitution guarantees that no one can be deprived of life, liberty, or property and that deliberately ties into the Declaration of Independence claim that all, all are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. On the other hand, Democrats tend to be very much in favor of abortion. They tend to be very committed to protecting and advancing reproductive health. That's how it's often shared. Reproductive rights, justice. They believe that every woman should have access to high-quality reproductive health services including safe and legal abortion. Now, I want to touch on that for just a second, because you may not have been around as long as I have, but certainly back in the 90s, this was what was used to be said about abortion when it came to the Democrats' point of view. We agree that it's bad. We don't like it. But we still fundamentally believe that it should be safe, legal, and rare. Can you believe that that's actually the position? Because as you read it now, what does it look like? Well, maybe safe, definitely legal. And so often, it's used so often that rare is not even part of the conversation. In fact, I would say that the position is almost only in rare circumstances should abortion not be used. Because why? Because this party supports it being used almost as a synonym to birth control. In fact, states like Michigan are currently trying to codify abortion rights in the Constitution. They're so aggressive and they're so progressive that if passed, they will actually make California blush with jealousy. When it comes to marriage, there's definitely some differences between the two parties. The Democrat Party tends to be silent on marriage. They don't talk about the family being the foundation of society. It's really more if you love someone, you should have the right to be able to get married and every state should have to recognize that. However, Republican believes that the American family is the foundation of civil society. 
and the cornerstone of the family is a natural marriage, a husband, a wife, and children. And in fact, the Republican Party tends to, not tends to, almost almost universally condemns the Supreme Court's ruling uh, in Obergefell versus Hodges, whereas the Democratic Party very, very much supports that particular decision. So what about education and school choice? If you're a Democrat, you absolutely oppose private school vouchers and other policies that divert taxpayer-funded resources away from public school. You are all in with the public school. Now, there's a reason for that, because being pro-union, the National Education Association is one of the largest unions in the United States, and the Democrat Party gets a lot of funding in elections from that, so they, they really support public schools. Everything begins and ends with public school. They believe that public school is not only for the education of what we, I would call core curriculum like mathematics, social studies, English, reading and writing. They believe it's also the place to teach children um, more social issues, gender identity, sexual orientation, transition. There's a lot of things that Democrats absolutely believe are part of or should be part of the educational system. Whereas the Republican Party believes the opposite. They believe that that there should be options for learning, including homeschooling, career technical education, private schools, magnet schools, charter schools, online learning, even early learning, and even early college high schools. It's really kind of interesting. Republicans, generally speaking, tend to support all kinds of choice when it comes to education. They definitely oppose the idea that education should be the stage for teaching social issues. Reading, writing, arithmetic, social studies, that's what we should be teaching in the schools for sure. So when it comes to religious liberty, it is absolutely central to the Republican Party. A key part of the constituency is the right to freely worship in all aspects of your life, not just on Sunday or Saturday, if you, if you go to church on Saturday, but that you should be able to live out your faith in every aspect of your life, whether it's at work, at home, on the job, in the public, it doesn't matter. But that is very different. The Democrats tend to not think that. They, have an, they are unholy married to the idea of separation of church and state. They are focused not on the protection of faith, but rather to minimize and eliminate faith altogether so that its influence might be completely quenched in our society. So what about social and gender issues? Well, this is kind of another one of those. Democrats follow an agenda, an LBTQ, LGBTQ plus agenda. So they support things like transgender access to bathrooms of your choice, not of your biological sex. They support the Equality Act and transgender and women's sports that a man, if he identifies a woman, should be able to compete against other women in sports. They also, and this is interesting, a lot of people haven't heard this, they, they support mandating insurance coverage of gender-affirming care, including surgery. So when you say mandating, that really comes in two forms, okay? Number one, that would come through regulation that requires insurance companies to do that. So that's, that's the federal government telling Blue Cross you have to do this. That'd be one form. The other form would be actually tying it into Medicare and Medicaid, in which even if you have insurance, which is not mandating this and they don't go that route, you're still going to be paying for it with your tax dollars because your tax dollars pay for Medicare and Medicaid. So that's just kind of a high level of some of the major issues. Hopefully you get to see there's quite a bit of difference between Republicans and Democrats. But to help that, we're going to do a little bit deeper dive when we do the faith, politics, and commerce analysis when we return. 
It was estimated in 2020 that 25 million Christians did not participate in presidential elections. 65 million did not participate in local elections. 15 million were not even registered to vote. We can see the horrifying results of our failure to vote every time we turn on the news. The most basic patriotic action an American citizen can take, an American Christian can take, is to vote. This is Sean Griffin from The Grid reminding you, patriots vote. Okay, from the faith perspective, please hear me clearly. Many aspects of these platforms are really silent in scripture. When you talk about tax policy, health care, minimum wage, foreign policy, most of these are not directly answered in scripture. Sometimes indirectly, but mostly not directly. When we talk about abortion or even marriage, for example, there is no way that any sane individual can come to the conclusion that the Democratic Party is on the biblical side of these issues. You just can't. Jesus loves the little children. In fact, he said you must become like one of these if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. He told his disciples to let them come. He mentions in Jeremiah and Psalms how Jesus knows you while you are still in the womb and has already ordained your life prior to you even being born. Abortion is not open for interpretation, not if we are debating it from a biblical worldview. Yes, we can argue about life's hardships on the mother, and we can talk about rape and incest, but what we can't talk about is that Jesus supports the murder of the unborn. It is unholy. When it comes to marriage and gender issues, Scripture is also crystal clear. God made them male and female. When Jesus talks about marriage, he talks about a man and a woman leaving their parents and becoming one flesh. Marriage, man, woman. There is no reasonable argument you can make as we debate this from a biblical perspective. If you vote Democrat, you are supporting unholy, anti-biblical positions that pose some of the greatest threats to our society today. If you vote Democrat, you are supporting unholy, anti-biblical positions that pose some of the greatest threats to our society today. Now, when it comes to politics, I ask, are you okay with the party that is the most opposed to God, most opposed to biblical values, most opposed to traditional family values, most opposed to our Constitution and Declaration of Independence? Do you want that opposition party in charge to make the decisions for the rest of us? Are you willing to submit to that authority? Because if you're voting Democrat, that's exactly what you're doing. I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying think long and hard. We can debate tax policy, foreign policy, limited or expanded government. Those are legitimate conversations. But if we're talking life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the Democratic Party, at least with abortion, is the party of death. Think long and hard who you align with, knowing that one day you will give account. Now, when we talk about commerce, let me ask you a simple question. Are you in a better place today than you were two years ago? Are the policies of the Democrats helping you or hurting you? Is gasoline $4.20 a gallon where you are, like it is here in Michigan, or if you're in California, often $7 plus? Are taxes lower? How about interest rates? Are they lower for you? Of course not. As of today, 30-year mortgage rates are at 7%, and the Fed is expecting to raise the rate at least two or three more times, likely pushing mortgages close to 10%. Are you feeling the impacts of that 8.2% annualized inflation? I know I am. Everything costs more. So if I bring all of this together, I would say this. If Democrats and Republicans both held views of protecting biblical worldviews and values and supporting life, then I think it's a legitimate conversation to make your decision based on other policies. 
tax, economic, foreign. That's okay. And if we decide that we disagree and you vote Democrat and I vote Republican, that's fine. But if you're a Christian and you have deeply held faith and subscribe to a biblical worldview, there is not a legitimate argument that you can make to vote Democrat that is not self-serving or outright rejecting the very things that God holds most dear. Consider that, think about that, and remove yourself from the undecided category today. That's a wrap. Also, don't forget to visit our website at kingdompatriot.us to join the movement of faith and freedom. That's kingdompatriot.us. Join today so that together we can make a difference. Your membership is appreciated. Your input is valued. Your voice is needed. 